0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the BMCast. Not a podcast that complains the cards in Vintage Cube are fancy and therefore too confusing for my poor paper boomer eyes, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Nightshade Harvester, Emma. How are you doing this week?
1: I am doing okay, I think. It's been a bit of a manic week. <laughs> lots have happened, especially in the BMCast realm. There's been lots going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so as it's been so busy, I have not touched magic, I'm afraid. I have started crafting a PEDH deck, thanks to Commander Legends and, you know, all the neat cards that are coming. Mm. Uh, doing a list of something that you're doing in the Car Kingdom article soon, I believe, um, which is Kedis Emberclaw Familiar. And I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm sorry. Uh, this is Rograk, which is the Zero Mana cobold Legendary that I think yeah. is probably my favourite card in the set because it's just a cool design. <laughs> but yeah, it's got stuff like Bone Splitter, Whisper Silk Cloak and it's just a load of burn so you can just, you know, keep hitting people in the face. Nice. So yeah, excited to get that done. In terms of content, I have an article up about buying into modern on a budget. So like almost like a buyer's mm. guide, so picking up like cheap modern staples because, you know, I still want to talk about double masters, so I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> After that, I'll be doing a big, big, huge style guide on Pioneer on um, like, what is it, how to get into it, You know, what sort of decks you can play and stuff. So that's yeah. up in a few weeks, and that's going to be a big old project. So that's going to take up my week next week. Otherwise, I've been playing some Hades. I've got back into it, managed to do a sub-20 minute run with the Aspect of Talos, which is the Fists.
0: Nice. And
1: then I started playing Legends of Zelda, Link to the Past again, because, you know, that game's great. Fair. How about Fair. you? What have you been up to?
0: Uh, I've been good. I've been super, super busy. Uh, Let's see. So we had our special episode, our special bonus episode with Gavin Verhey. I had to edit that this week, which, by the way, anyone listening, if you haven't heard it yet, it is the episode just before this one. So you can take a listen. It was great. We had a great insight into what goes into designing for Pauper and what Commander Legends is going to do for it. So... But outside of that, I've also finished, you mentioned it there in your, your own little spiel there, that I've just finished my, possibly my biggest article to date. It's about five quirky new Commander pairings from Commander Legends, complete with a sample deck list for each one of them as well. It's enormous. It's technically like nearly five articles worth in like one article. It's massive. It's up on Card Kingdom now. If you're listening to this on the day that this comes out on Thursday, it just came out on the Monday, so you can read it over on Card Kingdom. There are some ridiculous, crazy pairings in this uh, set, in Commander Legends. So, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that I'll just be building decks constantly <laughs> because of this. Like, I've already got, like, I'd say probably about 12 partner pairings deckless built already. Like, I've been going ham on this. On top of that, I've also been writing an upgrade article for the new Simic Precon deck, the Reap the Tide one. Ooh. That'll be up on Card Kingdom as well. This, is, this will be the week after this goes live. Outside of Magic? i have actually done nothing emma i have done nothing i have been far too busy my spare time right i had a bit of spare time on wednesday night and that was actually spent on mtg goldfish's live commander stream with tomer oh nice where i played my jorian deck it was great it was great fun um I, I don't really consider that, like, worker content as such because I just got to sit down and play a game and everything. But, you know, you have to be sure to, like, because it's a live stream and it's for MTG Goldfish, you need to make sure that, you know, you watch the language and you're, you're trying to engage a little bit and stuff. So it it's, requires a little more brain power than your average Commander game.
1: Yeah, when you get invited to those sort of things, you kind of still have to wear your content hat. You have to wear yeah. your Scott content creator hat, as in Scott the person. So yeah,
0: Yeah, so I have to be Scott the professionally-led person, not the normally-led person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did manage to get a new deck built though as well, which if I get a chance to play it shortly I will, and that is Naban Dean of Iteration. Wizard tribal panharmonicon Bensy Flancy Mad springing stuff. It's great fun. It's really good. Sounds sweet. So yeah. It's been a long week. I've also got other things in the pipeline that I can't talk about yet, but will be coming soon. But yeah, it's it's good to be busy for a change which is which is nice
1: yeah it always tends to be you either super super quiet or you're super super busy there's never like a happy medium and no. i always feel like content stuff just comes in buses like they all just turn up at once they don't come on time mm-hmm. as much as you'd like yeah, yeah give sure. it a few weeks and we'll hopefully be a bit more relaxed
0: oh next week i just plan on going to sleep on sunday and just waking up on like wednesday or something oh that sounds great <laughs> all right Emma, do we have any housekeeping before we oh, jump into the episode?
1: Don't we just? So we would like to give a huge thank you to a nice planeswalker, who is our latest patron of the Stonks tier. Mm. And also thank you to Simon Grip, who updated from Team Phonetic to the Stonks tier. So we've got two Stonks tiers this week. Thank you very much. Appreciate the stonks and all the deck lists and everything that we provide with that tier. And another thing we would like to mention, if you're feeling generous, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, because as I found out earlier today, hey. if you leave reviews on like games and apps and podcasts and stuff on the Apple platform, we become more noticeable in searches, which means more people will listen to the podcast. So if you're feeling generous and you mm. want to say, you know, the BM Cast is pretty neat, you can do that. Give us five stars. That would be excellent.
0: You say, I just think they're neat. Yeah,
1: that's what you got to say. Just give us five <laughs> stars and just say neat.
0: If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash Budget budgetmagiccast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so let's get into the meat and bones of the episode. This week, we are talking again about Commander Legends. It's what everyone's talking about all the time. Everything else can just wait until afterwards. We have a lot of notable reprints. We've got some particularly intriguing pauper downshifts and relevant new cards that we need to talk about as well but first emma why don't you start us off with one of the nice reprints
1: so this is unsurprising given that this card can fetch auras which is really on brand for me but hmm. thanks to commander legends open the armory has been reprinted so if you are not familiar with the card it is for a sorcery so for one generic and a white mm-hmm. you get to search a library for an aura or an equipment card Reveal it and put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. We all know tutors that are really, really good in Commander. Equipment is also quite important because you have all the swords, which play mm-hmm. a big role in Commander. Since it's printing back in shadows over Innistrad, I want to say it got quite expensive because for that reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're playing like a Borisy artifact equipment deck and you just want a way to find your toolbox answers, this is a really great way to go about it.
0: Yeah. Next up, we have Sol Ring. I think this card might have an impact in Commander. What do you think?
1: I don't know. I feel like it's just good in Vintage Cube. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. where you want it most. But, like, I wouldn't play in Commander personally because it just seems the sort of card I'm probably going to be, like, the threat player because I can make two mana ahead of everyone else. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous. Maybe.
0: maybe. I don't even have it in all my Commander decks. Like, it's not it's not that good, right?
1: Yeah, if it doesn't make <laughs> color banner. it's terrible, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. No, yeah. soldering terrible <laughs> reprint. Never never need more of those. Definitely not. No.
1: Nope. <laughs> so next one, which is one I'm quite excited about because for some reason it was ludicrously oh, yeah. expensive, uh, which is Fort Vessel. So it's a 2 mana artifact that uh, that gives you no ma- maximum hand side, so you can have as many cards as you want, and it taps for a colorless as well. So I really, mm-hmm. really like this card. If you're playing Reliqui Tower, just play this instead because it's better, is my uh, advice. Yeah. But yeah, this card's great. And if you're in like a blue base deck, or I suspect in like in your wizard's deck, you're drawing a lot, a lot of cards. So having something that mm. can circumvent you discarding or going back down to hand size is really, really good. But yeah, four vessels yep. are great, great reprint. I'm happy with this one.
0: Yeah, I was looking into adding this to a couple of my decks, and then I was like, Why why do I not play this? And then I looked and saw it was like ten, twelve dollars, and I was like, Nope. Not happening. So yeah. It's fantastic to see a reprint. Honestly, this should, be, this should just be reprinted into the ground. I know it's not as ubiquitous as something like Sol Ring, but it really needs to see more printings. This should be cheap as heck.
1: Yeah, I feel like it should just be in every pre-con. I think it should be the Sol Ring mm-hmm. and Command Tower. And now you could argue that Arcane Signet's the same way. You just print it in every Command precon pre because everyone's just going to want to play it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Rings of Brighthearth is the next card. A big one this is a really big one this got up to what was it like 50 dollars or something insane mm. like that wasn't it it's crazy the reason that i don't see this being played all that much personally is because of the price like if this was more affordable people would just be like yeah of course i'm gonna play this i'm not an idiot like this is really good this goes into this deck or that deck and like everyone that doesn't own a rings of brightheart probably owns multiple decks that it could vastly improve
1: it's a commander staple like what more can you say it just does everything that you want it to do combos off makes your commander's abilities cheaper and yeah Mm. i'm really really happy to see this reprinted i think it will be cheaper to begin with but just because so many people want it because they were unable to afford it before i think it's going to drive the price up a little bit so i would get i would get these in nice and early if you can afford it
0: yeah for sure definitely definitely go call to get these early if you're going to get them
1: Yeah, I'm not one to pre-order cards because I think the prices aren't quite correct, but Mm -hmm. I would just be pre-ordering like two or three of these just off the bat and be happy with it because you're probably saving money long, long term. So That's it. And next one we have is Command Beacon, which is another card that was ludicrously expensive because it featured Mm -hmm. in one Commander Precon, I believe, (laughs) and then Moldrofa was a thing, so that's really, really good with Moldrofa. I don't expect to see Command Beacon to be in every deck because it's the sort of card you kind of want to abuse and repeatedly use it, like, in Modrofa. Mm. Um, but the fact that it's reprinted in this out rare is really, really nice, because it just gives you that option. I suspect there's a lot of people that would want to play this card, like Rings of Bright Half, but it was super expensive, but now, thanks to Commander Legends, you've got an opportunity to pick it up at a way more affordable rate.
0: Yeah, for sure. Particularly if you're running, like, partner commanders and stuff as well, you've got two targets for it instead of one. Mm. It, it's got double the value in those decks, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And if you run stuff like Crucible of Worlds or Ramunap Excavator, bring it back and just keep doing it again.
0: Yeah. Ramunap Excavator actually is in the Simic Precon. Is it? The Tides. Oh, nice. Yes, that is a nice reprint because it was currently about, it was about $15, $15, $20 mm. nearly, which is absurd considering that set was out only a couple of years ago. It was an era of devastation. And when it was out then, it was sense. It just didn't see play anywhere.
1: Yeah, we've started to see a trend of land matters commanders, like Wing Grace, for mm. example, and they seem to be quite popular decks, or popular archetype, so just yeah. stuff like Rami and i is just super good.
0: Yeah, for sure. Next up, we have Scroll Rack. I can't remember if we mentioned this last week, or if it was spoiled last week, but... I
1: can't remember, but it's good. It's, wor- it's,
0: wor- it's worth saying it again, honestly. Like, Scroll Rack, it's far too expensive for what it does, in my opinion
1: i'll be honest i thought it was a reserve list card
0: i i did for a while as well
1: expensive and the effect is so unique it just feels like something on a reserve list card but no i'd happily proven wrong but yeah this card was getting really really expensive um so Mm. yeah great reprint it's not a mythic so hopefully there'll be quite a few open so people can grab them yeah
0: fingers crossed now i know i'm not a huge fan of this card in general but sensei's divining top is in dire need of a reprint as well that's crept up to like what like 50 60 dollars now or something that's insane
1: because you can only play it in commander
0: yeah pretty much (laughs)
1: um so next is another needed reprint it saw a reprint like three four years ago in iconic masters Mm -hmm. but we've got mana drain again which is sweet because mana drain is very very powerful and also very very expensive so Mm. if you're after mana drain for your for your thrasios you know cdh decks here you go but yeah, again, I can see this just creeping up again like it did in Iconic Masters. So if you're after one, I'll get it soon.
0: For sure. There's not much else to say about Mana Drain other than it's very, very likely that they're not going to reprint the stones out of it to the point that I can actually afford one at any point. But it's nice to see reprints for sure. Yes. Yeah. Right, next one. Great reprint. Love to see it. Yeah. Particularly love seeing it this time though. Swords to Plowshares with the lovely Judge promo art. It's got a very like 80s art style to it and I love it I really really like it
1: it just reminds me of golf every time
0: oh don't ruin it on me <laughs> oh no I can't don't see it no <laughs> oh. the, guy,
1: the, the guy on the right looks like he's just about to smack on for an eagle sorry <sighs>
0: <sighs> how much the swords the play shares cost four <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no I'm really really happy they changed the art on it and it's you know, yeah. not the Therese Nielsen art.
0: Significantly less turfy art, yeah. Yes, right.
1: and also you can get it in Extended Border, which is quite nice as well. But yeah, if you, if you like golf and you hate Therese Nielsen, this is perfect for you.
0: It's my perfect card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and lastly, this is one for more modern players, I guess, if you haven't been able to pick them up before, is Boris Charm. So Boris yeah. Charm's a really, really nice reprint. It's actually, in fact, quite good in Commander because you actually use all three modes in Commander. But yeah, so Boris Johnson's reprinted. Always a desirable, uncommon to have in modern. And if you want to bling out your burn deck, there is an extended art Mm. version as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. These are all really good reprints. Like There are one or two that are particularly egregious in price and will remain so. And it's just nice to see the reprints. But some of mm-hmm. these other ones, like the Thought Vessel, the Sol Ring, uh, the Source of Pleasures and stuff, they're just staples in their color or in their card type and just need every single bit of reprint opportunity. Yep. Just reprint the stones out of them. Absolutely. It is good to see a lot of these. Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely. I do like the little nod they did to like Constructor Format. So taking mm-hmm. Boris Charm, for example, and Preordain. Yeah. They've done a subtle nod to like Legacy and Modern Players. So that's mm-hmm. quite nice as well. we haven't been forgotten and it's not all commander
0: yeah if they'd uh, like to make a little nod towards modern players by unbanning preordain as well i wouldn't say no but sure look moving on
1: yeah
0: good luck (laughs) (laughs) all right so next thing we're going to talk about is pauper downshifts and relevant new cards so we talked about this last week the reason we talked about it last week is because we were convinced that with the cards that we had seen that was going to be the biggest impact that the format was going to get and boy howdy were we wrong yep. so let's start fiery cannonade we talked about this with gavin okay so we've gone yes. through this already in the last bonus episode fiery cannonade if you do not know what it does it is two and a red for an instant fiery cannonade deals two damage to each non-pirate creature so does this mean that changelings are going to become more popular possibly 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 The whole thing about this is that it's a two damage sweeper. Red has not had access to anything better than electricery. There's Swirling Sandstorm in the sideboard of some slower decks that deals five damage to each creature for four mana, but you have to have threshold enabled first. Otherwise, it's a literal do-nothing card. So this is very, very good, but not good for the format as it stands right now. And yes, here comes a rant. I'm going to have a rant on this one. Yeah, He
1: couldn't rant at Gavin, so...
0: No, and to be fair, I understand his reasonings behind certain things. Particularly this card, actually. And this is the thing. This rant is not going to be about Fiery cannonade itself. It is going to be about the decisions that have been made up until this point And Tron. Eh. So, this card is good. It does need to exist. Like, these kind of things... Like Gavin said, there was a hole in the format where you needed to damage sweepers. This now deals with that, and that's great. It's a really, really good one. It feels like it could be common, and this is good. The thing is, though, if you're going to add an aggro hoser like this, you need to be able to bolster aggro by giving them more tools as well. Because this deals two damage, you need to be able to give aggro decks suitable creatures that have three toughness, for example. Now, currently, like Stompy and stuff at the moment is really, really cut down and slim. Everything has, like, one or two toughness, and... It's just slap some rankers on and go to town. You can't really do that anymore. Like, Stompy's going to have to evolve in order to be able to survive multiple blasts of Fiery Candidate. But those creatures don't really exist right now. So it would be nice if we could get something done there. We might see something in the next couple of sets or whatever. But the point that I really want to make with this is that this just slots right into Tron. It's got one red pip. It's instant speed. So if they need to use the sweeper, they'll cast it. If not, they'll just cast an impulse and they'll find another thing that they need to just lock up the game on you. It's going to feel terrible. It's going to feel terrible for a while. And honestly, I don't expect the format to be okay for the next little while. But I think it is worth still playing because this is all just speculation and hearsay. We've seen this kind of stuff play out before, but it's a different situation. So it may play out differently. It's worth trying. However, what I see happening, and I can kind of give you a timeline on this nearly... What I think is going to happen is Tron will get even worse than it already is, and in response they're going to ban something like Bonders Ornament to try and nerf Tron instead of kill it, but all that will do is just hurt the mid-range decks that are also running Bonders Ornament in an attempt to keep up with Tron, and then the Tron decks will just switch to add whatever the Monarch cards that don't get banned in the interim in order to keep the card advantage flowing at the loss of Bonders Ornament. And what's going to happen is Tron will eventually get banned. I do believe it, that Tron will eventually get banned, or enough answers to Tron are going to get introduced into the format that it's no longer relevant. But it will have taken several cards out with it and put them onto the ban list. And I really don't like that. I mean, again, I'm not in charge of the format, so like I don't really have a say in this. Again, we can suggest things to Gavin, but ultimately, they decide what happens, you know. And it it kind of sucks because I can see it coming. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a deer in headlights. Like I know I'm about to get plastered by the Tron truck, but like there's not much I can do about it. <laughs> just lose repeatedly and then like just show the data to wizards and be like, see, told you.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, when Modern Horizons came out with Hogak and mm. Hogak Summer, and how they were very very reluctant to ban Hogak because it was in a new set so they yep. tried to go around it say like ban bridge from below and then you know that didn't do anything and then they were like oh actually we just need to ban hogak because that is the problem and i do think of Zooting kind of died for Hogak's sins a little bit and i suspect something similar to happen with tron and pauper just so many cards are going to get banned and it's going to put other strategies out of contention just because mm. tron is such an issue
0: yeah i mean that's the thing like tron is the broken engine that just does better than everything else and
1: the fact that there is a tron deck that is five color boggles my mind you don't get that in modern like i'm just comparing modern here but the fact that the fixing is so good even expedition maps absolutely yeah. done nothing because you have crop rotation instead
0: yeah those decks actually I've, I've been keeping a closer eye on tron and how it's been built they don't even really run those anymore they don't even really run pre day in a crop rotation they've just gone up to like the four impulses and more of the thriving lands and stuff and they're just operating fine four bonders ornament let's go like sure. it's crazy it's mad. but yeah
1: do you feel better now
0: no, I never do, because Tron still exists. <laughs> like, but, but we are going to move on. I don't want to sit and have a big long rant for hours here. Okay. That's not what I'm here for, despite all people assuming otherwise, uh, <laughs> including myself sometimes. But yes, Fiery cannonade is really, really good. I am happy that it's in the format. I'm not happy about the format that it's going into, but I'm happy that the card is in the format, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So going into new cards for Pauper. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of pirates, we have Azure Fleet Admiral, which I think is going to see a lot of play. I think this is going to be very, very good. Um, So for free free generic and a blue, you get a creature pirate. When Azure Fleet Admiral enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Azure Mm -hmm. Fleet Admiral can't be blocked by creatures the monarch controls. So Mm -hmm. the fact that it's a four mana free-free that can draw you cards seems really good. And it gets out of cannonade rage. And it's just a pirate as well, so it just blanks that. I feel like there's a really cool, like, red-blue Pirates deck just waiting to be built with this in mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I'm definitely going to try as a Pirates because, like, you could just say the name of the deck and I'll stop you after the first word and be like, I'm in. So, yeah, (laughs) it's going to happen. But I both like and don't like this card for a few reasons. Well, first of all, Monarch card, I kind of like Monarch, but... I like Boros Monarch, and I like the fact that Mono Black Control has access to Monarch. I don't like when Tron has Monarch, for example. <laughs> so it, it's circumstantial. Overall, I think we touched on this last week, that it would be better for the format if both Tron and Monarch just kind of didn't exist. But yes. that's not where we are right now. <laughs> the thing with this is, it is nice that it can steal back the monarchy if they ever take it, because it can just be unblocked. And that's neat. But it also has three toughness, which dies to Lightning Bolt. And as we all know with Modern, you know, if it's a format with Lightning Bolt, four toughness is really, really good or your creature has to be really, really good Mm. like with a really good value on ETB. And luckily, this has it. So I don't think it lines up quite as well against, say, like Palace Sentinels, but it's still quite good. And I still think Fall from Favor is a little better for Blue, but it's still good. We still have good options and having extra pirates that we can throw into a pirate deck is kind of neat so yeah
1: i won't go into too much detail because you know i want people to listen to it but when gavin mentioned on our bonus episode mm. that they want to bring new archetypes to pauper i think part of this was like oh yeah we want to bring pirates to pauper like have a have a tribal thematic kind of deck to yeah. go alongside like fiery cannonade and um, it is kind of cool that there is monarch in kind of all colors now but i do think fall from favor is just better which is a bit frustrating because I think that's going to overshadow this card, which I think is quite good for Polka.
0: Well, if Fall from Favor overshadows it to the point that it gets banned instead of this, that's kind of cool then, right?
1: Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> one way to look at
0: it. Next up, we have got a card that I'm quite excited about, Fendry Inspector. So 3 mana, 3, 2 artifact creature, Construct. And artifact spells you cast cost 1 less to cast. Now, we already have Ethereum Sculptor, so... This is now eight copies of this effect. So we could see some cool combos coming in here. Some people are looking at this going, oh, maybe this will go in affinity so you can, like, try and turbo through the deck a little bit. I don't think so. It's worth a shot. But where I'm seeing that, like, this is going to start seeing some, like, proper headway being made is in combo decks. Because we have eight effective copies of Artifact Reducers. We now have stuff like Ashnod's Altar and Mirror Retriever if you want to do that kind of combo. You've got Banishing Knack and Retraction Helix kind of combos as well. Like, there's just loads of different ways that you can take a card like this. This enables a number of strategies. And honestly, if we end up with an all-colorless deck, I will build that in a heartbeat just because it's cool. That Like for no other reason.
1: I can't play Affinity and Modern anymore, so this is <laughs> going to be the next best thing. Now, this seems really sweet. I agree with you. It probably doesn't go in Affinity because you already have the reducers in like, mm. the lands and the creatures that you play. Um, so that that just feels a little excessive, but yeah, I can definitely see like a colorless artifact stompy deck with this, you know, featuring it, and that would be pretty cool. Yep,
0: yeah, definitely good enough for at least some good tier three brews, I would say. Yes. Yeah.
1: And you could like splash red for galvanic blast as well if you want some reach. Cause oh yeah, it's, it's pretty easy at this point. But no, this, this is one I'm definitely going to keep my eye on because I kind of want to build affinity in pauper at some point, but I I'd do. prefer like aggro stompy so if there's something with this i'll be more inclined to build it yeah so we have another one which scott is really really excited about which is Lifecrafter's gift and so for free generic and a green you get an instant which Mm -hmm. reads put a plus one plus one counter on target creature then put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it why are you excited for this card scott
0: well when I first looked at this, I was like, this isn't really all that good. This is kind of like an Anthem effect. Like, we already have stuff like Charge and those kind of pump effects in white for, like, white creature decks and stuff. And white, generally speaking, white creature decks are better at going wide, so it will have a bigger effect there. Mm. But the more I thought about this, the more I realized that there might actually just be a, just enough to have a critical mass of halfway decent creatures that give plus one, plus one counters or can move plus one, plus one counters and that kind of thing. So... This could just be a great, well, first of all, a great foil for something like Fiery Cannonade. Because if someone goes to Fiery Cannonade you and then you, in response, Lifecrafter's Gift and make everything three toughness because you threw a load of counters on stuff, that's insane. You're going to untap and kill them. But, you know, like there are a bunch of little creatures, like there's Arcbend Worker, like all the little modular creatures. There are a bunch of other weird little creatures as well, like Scrounging Bandar and you've got Ivy Lane Denizen at the top end. The 4 mm-hmm. mana 2, 3 elf that um, whenever a green creature ETBs, they put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. There's all sorts of little things like this. You've Pride Malkin from M21, which puts a counter yes. on something when it comes in and gives all your plus 1, plus 1 counter creatures trample. I really feel like there's a lot there. And actually, we have Pollenbrite Druid as well, which when it enters the yeah. battlefield, it proliferates. So it's almost like copies 5 through 8 of Life Gift as well. So there could really be something here. I really want to brew this. And, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. By the time you hear this episode, I'm going to have a deckless brood for the patrons, and I'll have it in the show notes for them.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. That's what I'll do. That'd be really neat. I I, I agree with you. I think there is something. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's some kind of fight cards that go in that puts a counter on something and then fights at a common. Like, yeah, for sure. Because there's so many fight cards in green. It sounds like there's a lot of potential, for sure.
0: Yeah, I definitely think this is probably one of the cards that has surprised me the most Mm. i went from looking at it going nah to wait hold on and then just like all these cogs just started turning i was like this could be real now when i say real i obviously mean roughly tier three or whatever but like that doesn't mean it's not going to win good games like so yeah
1: look forward to seeing it
0: i'm excited yeah speaking of being excited there is another one and i know this is a card that you like champion of the flame so Champion of the Flame, one and a red for a 1 1 human warrior with trample. That sounds garbage, you say, but wait. It gets plus two plus two for each aura and equipment that you attach to it. So, you put a single bone saw on this, and it suddenly becomes a 4 3 with trample. That's nuts. So, what I've done is I've actually already made a deck for this, and I'm going to put it in for the patrons as well. So, <laughs> mono red blades. So the idea behind this, just really cheap creatures like Champion of the Flame, like Ginger Brute. Yes. Your little ginger son. My son. I haven't song. forgotten your little biscuit. Yep. <laughs> Other creatures like Goblin Gavalier and everything, because that's a one mana, one woman trample that gets plus two plus zero for each equipment attached to it. So you can really start to make these little swole boys and just turn them sideways. And we've recently, in your favorite set, Double Masters, we've got golem skin gauntlets that gives equipped creature plus one plus oh for each equipment attached to it. So it even further swells up these boys. I think this is a real thing. I want it to be a real thing. It looks really sweet.
1: Yes. Unsurprisingly, I'm going to try this in Bogles because it seems really okay. good with a Rancor and with like an Ancestral Mask and a Armadillo Dead
0: <laughs> There could actually just be a Boros Heroic deck now.
1: There could be. Or you could just do like green red sort of aggro with like Rancor and mm. this and some other bits. But yeah, I do think there is like a Boros aggro deck with this because this card's great. And there's uh, quite a few heroic creatures at Common, I want to say as well, that could be quite good.
0: Mm. Yeah. I Emma, mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of brewing to do as well.
1: Yeah. So, okay. As you set a challenge, I'll set myself a challenge. I'll do a Boris aggro deck for pauper by the nice. time this episode goes up on Thursday. Nice. For the patrons, of course.
0: Excellent. Get your stonks on. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So we have another pirate. I believe this is a new card. Mm-hmm. I can't remember seeing this in Ixalan ever, which is Crimson Fleet mm-hmm. Commodore. So for free generic and a red, you get a creature, which is an ogre pirate. It has trample. Mm-hmm. When Crimson Fleet Commodore enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch, and it is a 5-2. So yeah, it's really, really cool that Red's got a Monarch card.
0: Yeah, it's really sweet. There was already the Crown Hunter Hirelings, but mm. that wasn't great, to be honest. Having a 5-power trample creature to help take back the monarchy if it ever gets taken off you is really, really nice.
1: Also, it gets around Fire Cannonade because it's a pirate.
0: Yes, this is making me think that you pair this with some lightning bolts, a few screds, That kind of thing. We might have Scred Red in Pauper now.
1: Don't excite me like this.
0: (laughs) I do have to say, I think the thing that I like the most about this card is that they actually mention your hometown in the flavour text, Emma.
1: (sighs) Do they now? (laughs) I don't live on Scrub Isle. (laughs) So I'll explain the flavour text for those who haven't got the card up at home. So so the flavour text reads kindly steer your fleet clear of the waters west of the scrub isle in reference to England <laughs> it would be a shame to incinerate such as exquisite maritime craftsmanship so yeah thank oh, you for that
0: scrub isle love it to be
1: fair it is a bit of a scrub isle after watching Strictly Come Dancing last night if you follow my Twitter you would know why
0: oh, Christ let's not talk about that again shall we no I'm still bleaching my eyes <laughs>
1: But yes, this card seems really good in like a red <laughs> control shell. Great way to get Monarch back. It's also just a win condition on its own. So
0: mm-hmm. It might actually just go into Boros Monarch as well. Just having a yeah. huge, chunky dude to just punch through massive damage. Pair that with like a Galvanic Blast and half their life total's gone. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Finally, we have one more card. Skywhaler's Shot. Now, this is a bit of a Strange one. And I kind of added it in last second, because the more I thought about it, the more I realized that Tron probably just takes one or two of these somewhere in the 75. And that is two and a white for an instant. Destroy target creature with power three or greater and scry one. So there are a lot of, like we said, a lot of small, aggressive creatures in Pauper. But none of them are particularly impactful by themselves. They need to be supported in some way. That's why Stompy runs like Rancor. And that kind of thing. So that's where Skywailer Shot is going to come in. Someone plays a Gurmah Gangler, kill it. Someone plays, say, like a Vault Scourge and they put a Rancor on it, Skywailer Shot, take it down. Anything with power three or greater covers a surprising amount, to be honest. Even if a Boros bully opponent tries to attack you out for exact lethal with a Rally the Peasants and to give everything plus two plus out, you can just kill off a token at that point and, and survive through it, potentially, you know. So it has a lot of play. Particularly if these other monarch creatures start seeing play, like the Crimson Fleet Commodore and the Azure Fleet Admiral, so you can kill them off. I think this might actually show up somewhere. Now, once Tron is gone and done and dusted and out of here, hopefully at some point, I could see a blue-white control deck showing up with Mm. something like this and a mixture of like Oblivion Rings and Journey to Nowheres and that kind of thing. Mm. Maybe.
1: Like, it also hits Ullamog's Crusher and, you know, Mm. your favourite golem, Maelstrom Colossus, so... (laughs) Plus, I remember playing this card a lot in standard and it was very, very good um, yeah. because it dealt with like heart occurrence and stuff. So it's a really nice answer. And also the scry one will come up quite a bit.
0: Yep. So they were all of the notable downshifts to Pauper and new cards as well thrown in the mix. Mm-hmm. This seems like, I think, by far the most impactful set for Pauper in possibly its entire existence. Agreed. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. It's so hugely impactful.
1: Absolutely. It will be interesting to see how Pauper kind of shapes up slash survives this print, like survives mm. Commander Legends. it feels like there's a lot coming out at once and it will probably overwhelm the format at least for like six to eight weeks. But yeah, even when like Modern Horizons came out, I can't remember there being like a heavy amount of just new cars and downshifts that impacted the format. Granted, Commander is... A lot different to one v one, so there is yeah. going to be more commons because it is a draftable set. So yeah. yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens, and I just hope Watsy are very proactive in potentially stemming the bleeding because there is a lot to work with here.
0: Yeah, two little things on that. First of all, I have faith in the likes of Gavin and the people in the game balance team. I know a lot of people don't, but we also don't understand their job fully because, well, they're the ones that are professionals at it and are getting paid and. Well, quite frankly, everyone that's listening probably is not. So, and that includes us too. So, you know, the people that are best at this job are probably the people that are getting well remunerated for it. So, mm. we'll see how it goes. But also, I kind of like injecting a little bit of chaos into formats. You know, like when something feels stable or stale or messed up or whatever. Just throwing a big pile of crap and just seeing what happens. I really like that. As long, like you said, as they're being proactive, like, I don't mind.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like when pioneers started. They were just like, yep, here's this blank slate. do your worst. And that's what it kind of feels like here. So mm. as long as was, like, Watsia are very proactive, which, given our conversation with Gavin uh, last week, seems to be the case. So I have every confidence they'll mitigate any issues that could arise from Commander Legends.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so how about we get ourselves over to some Q&A? Every single Sunday, we throw out onto Twitter asking you to ask us questions. So we have one here, Emma, from Jono at JonoTheMacam on Twitter, asks, how are you feeling about Modern Horizons 2? Excitement at new possibilities or worried about Hogak 2 electric boogaloo?
1: So I'm tentatively excited for Modern Horizons 2. And mm-hmm. I will preface that I love the concept of Modern Horizons. I love the idea that there's these modern cards that just go straight into the format. They jump outside of Pioneer, outside of Standard, and mm-hmm. it's just injecting new cards into the format, as well as reprints. Like, there's some really nice reprints, like Unearth, for example. However, there was a lot of design issues with Modern Horizons, as we all mm-hmm. know, with like Hogak, um, like Urza caused a bit of issues. Arkham Astrolabe was another one, mm-hmm. which also saw a lot of impact in Pauper, come to yeah. think of it. I'm really excited for it because I love Modern and I love seeing continued support for that format. Yeah. But I'm kind of hoping it's just really tame and unexciting just because Modern Horizons 1 did break the format in 2 for a very long time. So I'm hoping for something a little different. We are going to see the Fetchlands reprinted as well. So obviously mm. there's a different concept in mind compared yeah. to the first Modern Horizons. But yeah, I'm tentatively excited just because I love Modern and I want to see what new cars come into it. I like
0: mm. you? I'm also reasonably excited for it for a number of reasons. First of all, one of the first things that I always look for in new sets are the commons that will come down to Popper and Impact it. And the higher powered sets, like the ones that skip standard, are usually the best ones for that. So Modern Horizons 2, I'm excited for that. In terms of everything else... I kind of didn't mind too much when Modern Horizons came along and sort of threw a huge spanner into the works and and messed with it. Just like I said a few minutes ago about introducing a bunch of new stuff to formats. I kind of like it, as long as You know, they're proactive and they deal with a couple of things as they crop up, like, in terms of problems, like Hogak. Mm. I don't like the fact that Modern Horizons 1 led to the banning of Faithless Looting. And I know that, you know, some people are on one side of the fence and other people are on the other. And I'm not going to say which is right or wrong because I have my biases. But I'm not saying that Modern Horizons caused that, but I'm not going to put that same sort of thing on Modern Horizons 2. I'm tentatively excited for this as well. One thing I will say, though, and i kind of surprised that a lot of people haven't picked up on this, is that they're trying to kill Legacy. Yes. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They're trying to kill Legacy. They're introducing cards or fixed versions of cards into Modern so that they don't have to worry about Legacy. Now, why do you ask, are they doing that? Well, it's simple. It's the answer to every single problem in Magic, the reserve list. They're trying to get away from the reserve list, so instead of people shouting, reprint cards from the reserve list, abolish the reserve list, they just say, oh, what's that? I can't hear you. Anyway, hey, look at this. We're introducing uh, Force of Negation and Goblin Engineer and everything. Look, it's Modern Horizons, not Legacy, I swear. And like, what's going to happen is so many people are playing Modern and stuff, and fewer and fewer people are playing Legacy every day. Well. Like online, you have the Eternal Weekends and stuff and there's surges there and stuff. And I'm not saying it's right what they're doing, but from a hassle perspective, it's smart for them as a business to do this. But to be honest, I'm kind of a different... I like the idea of letting people play the way they want to play and stuff. That's my opinion on this. So... Like, if you want to keep playing Legacy, keep playing Legacy, but know that deep down you don't really care anymore.
1: So I, I agree with you. So when Modern Horizons came out, I had this thought. I'm like, oh, gee, Force of Negation feels very similar to Force of Will, which is mm-hmm. Legacy. And I was just thinking, so it feels like to me, and this is my opinion, I have no information or science to this. This is just like a gut feeling. That I feel like Modern is going to be what Legacy is now, and they want Pioneer to be what Modern is now. They want exactly. to shift it that way. That might be a bit weird with Pioneer just because Pioneers aren't in a great spot because with COVID mm. and you know it's still a young format. But I suspect they want Pioneer to become modern without fetch lands because I think they're very eager to have an eternal format without fetchlands, And it happens to be yep. quite good. It's just a shame that not many people are playing it for gestures at everything. Mm-hmm. That's the way I can see it going. And eventually Legacy is just going to die out in the same way that Vintage is, where you're just going to have a handful of people who are deeply, deeply love and develop the format. And they'll just play it online because that's the cheapest way to play it.
0: Yeah, pretty much it.
1: That's like a take. Take whatever you want from it. But that's my thoughts on it. And mm-hmm. from a business outlook, that is the best way that works for Hasbro and WotC.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, there's no point in sitting here and screaming from the top of our lungs, "Uh, abolish the reserve list, blah, blah, blah. When we know deep down it's not going to happen. They're doing everything they can to get away from it. And that's what I feel these Modern Horizons sets are doing. Essentially turning modern into legacy, except fixing it in some ways. And then they're doing the same with Pioneer, like you said, um, only in relation to modern. And I feel like every eight to ten years they're just going to do this until magic stops being a thing. And I, I don't see much of a problem with that. I mean, like, sure, you can complain that, like, you have your cars and your investments and stuff, but, like, you put money into a hobby and then eventually those pieces are no longer usable or whatever. And, I mean, same happens with most other hobbies, you know? Like, I do do some cycling. Eventually, I'm going to have to replace some tubes and stuff because I can't use them anymore, you know? I know that sounds silly and, like, some people aren't going to accept this as an opinion or whatever, but, like, it is what it is, you know? Yeah let's all just try and be chill and get along it's all good don't yep. worry about it
1: but yes excited for modern horizons too it can't come soon enough
0: <laughs> this gal- <laughs> the, yeah this this definitely got tangential um <laughs> that's fine okay also emma Jono actually had a second part to this question and that is how are you coping with lockdown i hope you are both safe and happy well thank you Jono.
1: well i'm going to be honest. Because there has been a lot going on. So in England, Mm -hmm. we have just started another lockdown, which is likely to last about five months. So we have a furlough scheme in place. So if people can't work, they can get paid by the government. So they still get their wages, so Mm -hmm. forth. And that is looking like it's going to last until March. So that is an indicator of how long lockdown is going to be. So honestly, it's been a little bit tough because we're readjusting to all the new measures because we just came out of it only to go back into it. Although I'm not on furlough, so I'm still working through this. And it has been pretty busy at my work as well, which hasn't helped things. Mm. I'm trying to be a bit more generous and giving myself some time. So just like switching off, getting a good night's sleep, chilling and watching mm. you know something on TV, trying to almost distract myself because it's quite a difficult time christmas is coming as well which is very likely that christmas is cancelled for a lot of people in england as well so i wouldn't say i'm happy but i'm okay and i think that's good enough given the circumstances Mm. yeah how about you
0: Uh, it has been tough i'm extremely outgoing and and social and i like being around people i like nothing more than being like in groups of people and I, I tend to sometimes try and hug attention and stuff. That's a me thing. But I'm not used to it. I'm still not used to it. Like, we've been basically, quote-unquote, locked down for the most part here in Ireland since, like, March. Now, at first, it was, like, real hard, strict lockdown, and then it kind of eased up a bit, and then it went back down a bit, and then it's been doing this ebb and flow for a while. We're now in week three of, I think, six for a lockdown at the moment. And... It's been kind of depressing for two reasons. One, it sucks because I'm sitting in here being good, not going anywhere, playing webcam EDH to try and keep my sanity. And then I'm looking outside and I just see people walking by with no masks and hanging out in groups of like eight and ten people. And it's incredibly infuriating that I'm doing the right thing and they're just being incredibly reckless and annoying. But we've all heard this kind of complaint from people before. So I'm not going to go too far into it. But what is happening here is once the current lockdown lifts it's going to be around the start of December. Now, that is a problem for a number of reasons. The main one being that the 8th of December over here in Ireland is kind of known as, I can't remember the exact term, but it's basically like cultured Christmas. Like, the people from down the country in the, in the sticks, out in the, in the backyards of nowhere, they all come up to Dublin on the 8th and go shopping for Christmas. That's just a thing that happens here. And... I don't know how that's going to look here. Like, that could just be cancelled and people be reasonable. But let's be honest, I trust people. I don't trust the public. So it's entirely like that the throngs of people are just going to show up. And like, while Ireland in general is being pretty good at it, it's kind of a little more lax in smaller towns and stuff because the threat is weaker there, obviously, because it's not a huge population hub. So they're all going to come up here, either spread it or contract it and then go back to where they're from and then just spread it across the country. So, yeah, that's not great. But what I see happening then is that once it comes up to about the week of Christmas, you're going to see a huge spike in cases and then they're going to go, all right, well, time to lock down. Christmas is cancelled. So we're not locking down as long as England is because they're trying to sort of just do a hard lockdown and just like suppress it quickly to get it dealt with so that we can try to assume normal life and stuff. But so far, that hasn't really been proving to be as effective as people want. But that's more down to the people as opposed to the plan. This is the stuff that goes through my head all day, every day. So yeah, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, it was kind of the opposite here. So we, like, our government had an opportunity to do what they call a circuit breaker lockdown, where you lock down for mm-hmm. two weeks, stem the cases because cases have been rising and rising in our country because everything's been open again. Like everyone's back at school, like yeah. shops are open again and stuff. And like early last month was a really good time to do a circuit breaker, but the government's been really dragging their heels over it, and now mm-hmm. all this stuff coming out, going, oh, you know cases are like worse than predicted you need to do something about it so now we've got this five month lockdown christmas is almost cancelled but people aren't going to listen to that because they want to celebrate christmas so around christmas time is going to be a horrible time for people just because they just won't listen and Mm -hmm. won't think of others so naturally it's quite frustrating but i suspect it's frustrating with everyone in mind and with that if you are feeling frustrated just like try and talk to people on discord and you know play some games with some friends, try yeah. and maintain some sort of social construct, Even though you can't see them face-to-face, the fact that we live in an age where all that is accessible, just make the most of that is my advice.
0: 100%. If it wasn't for Discord, I definitely would have lost my mind by now. Yeah. It's good to be able to have those different sections to be able to sit down and go, oh, I want to chat about stuff. And it doesn't have to be heavy stuff either. Like if, if you have heavy stuff to talk about, you can absolutely try and look out and find somewhere that you feel comfortable doing that. But sometimes it's not even needed. You can just find somewhere where you can just chat about something that you like. And that's enough to just fix a lot of problems. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Um, so Angelo, previous guest on the at uh, the Jess guy asks, what is your favorite partner? And uh, it can be new or old partners. Mm.
0: Well, when I say of a favorite X or Y, it generally tends to change on a weekly basis. It could be like, what's your favorite band? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite TV show? Partner pairing? Anything. It will change on a week-to-week basis. But right now, Croc the Thumbless and Sakshima of a Thousand Faces, I have brewed together. It's actually in the Car Kingdom article that I mentioned at the start. One of the win conditions involves getting eight thumbs up. That's all I'm going to say.
1: So we've moved away from 8 Whack and 8 Crab. We've got 8 Thumbs.
0: 8 (laughs) Thumbs. The the actual name of the deck is Thumbstorm or the working title for it was Headache Tribal because that's what it induces. But yeah. (laughs) Very good. How about you?
1: (laughs) Um, So I'm going to play the heel here and say Frasios and Timna. You would. But can I say they're really, really good. I do enjoy a little bit of CDH and those two are incredibly fun to play with that's how far as I'll go on that because it's not budget by any stretch of the imagination but it is a lot of fun which are also in Commander Legends if you really want them as well because mm. they became quite expensive they were like $40 each at one point and yep. now they're cheap again so but yeah Thrasius just Timna thumbs up
0: yeah I can kind of picture it you hanging out with Thrasius and Timna there on Scrub Isle yeah yep thank you for listening to the bm cast if you have any questions comments or sweet brews you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com you can follow us at the bm cast on twitter search for budget magic cast on soundcloud and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast we'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck